All right, so let's get into this. Thanks again for being here. Really happy to see you all. Happy to see you. So typically, at least as I've been pastoring, um, I've approached sermons and teaching um, through uh, the structure of a series. I like to plan. I like to organize. Any planners in the house? Yes, okay. So we would plan and we'd prepare to seek the Lord's kind of broad direction regarding what the church needs or what they need to know or grow in. And for the past 15 years, it's worked really well. God moves, God speaks, and it gives us enough time to kind of prepare and plan and do all this stuff organizationally. But for the last couple of weeks, I have been sensing this really frustrating interruption from the Lord. This really frustrating disruption from God. And see, I had planned for the month of August to spend the whole month, because we have all these new families hanging out at the church right now, just checking us out and seeing what's up. We love you. Um, but I was, so I was going to go through our DNA, like our values, our mission, our vision, just kind of keep everyone on the same page. But, but last week I was interrupted um, when, I, when I started to sense that God wanted me to instead talk about how he sees us how God sees us, that while we were once enemies of God over here, because of the saving work of Jesus, now he has made us friends of God, and the war that was once raging is now over. The war is over. And our opening scripture expanded on this reality when it said, God chose you to be the holy people that he loves. It was his work. It was his decision. He did it. The Lord forgave you and now it's up to you to go and live as forgiven people. And it was this neat moment last week, but it wasn't really anticipating it happening again. I was hoping to just kind of hop back into some structure, y'all. But then, ah, late Wednesday night, after a number of kind of interesting conversations and, and, and just an interesting season, um, I once again was interrupted by the Lord and just feeling prompted to speak today not on legacy, because I was planning on talking about legacy, okay? I even had, like, graphics and slides all put together. Uh, I was, the message was going to be called, Every Second Counts, Nothing is Wasted, okay? I was going to talk all about legacy, but instead today, I, I want to talk about simplicity. Not, not on what comes next, but instead going back to the things we did at first. And so if you're taking notes today, I just, I'd like to call this message a simple love, a simple love. As we take a closer look at what it means to be the holy people God chose now that the war is over. So I'd like to pray as we begin, and then we're going to get into it. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you chose to fall on the sword so the war might be over for good. Jesus, we, we ask that you'd speak to us that you'd open our eyes and our ears, that you'd soften our hearts for what you have for us today, and that we might leave here changed, more in line with your heart and more in line with your life. And so Jesus, once again, just speak to us. And it's in your name. Amen. Amen. So, all right, everyone, I, just close your eyes for a second and, and transport yourself back to your earliest moment a friendship with God. Just close your eyes for a second and place yourself back in this moment, that first moment uh, of salvation, that season of salvation when you gave your life to Jesus and he in turn gave you a new heart for his way, his truth, and his life. With the eyes closed, can you, can you picture it for just a moment? The moment, the season that God first became real for you. All right, open up. No dozing off, okay? No dozing off in church. 
So for me, I remember, I remember when this moment happened for me. It was 1994, and you can do the math here, but it was at Lake Ellen Bible Camp. I was 13 years old, so don't do the math, but anyway. Lake Ellen Bible Camp in the UP of Michigan, and so this is Wisconsin. For some reason, Michigan has this area that goes on top of, anyway. And so we were up there, up in, right next to Canada, and, and listen, I grew up in the church, and I grew up believing in Jesus. I was conscious. Um, for all of my conscious life, I had believed in Jesus. I don't remember a time that I didn't believe in Jesus. Praise the Lord that he is God, and he loved me and died for me, and in turn, I was to live different. This is how I was raised. This is how I was raised and what I believed to be true. But something happened to me at 13 when I went to this Bible camp. See, my belief, my obedience, it turned, it turned, re, it turned into something different. It turned into like a real love for God. And not just in my mind or in my soul or in my strength, but, but also in my heart. Something shifted, something changed, and it was all so simple. There was an innocence to this Love. I remember it happened during uh, a worship service at this camp, and I tell you what, the music was not good, okay? We were singing like, like, Lord, I lift your name on high, and celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Not that there's anything wrong with these songs. They're just not the classics that we remember today, okay? And so we were there. The music was okay. The teaching was something that I had heard over and over growing up. But in that moment, 13 years old at this camp, something clicked, and I understood in a deeper way the love that God had for me. I felt connection. I felt emotion. I felt like my old faithful heart of belief and obedience had been replaced with a new heart filled with love and affection. It, it was kind of like what we see in the book of Ezekiel, um, where the prophet, he kind of forecasts this day for God's people that we now know as Pentecost. He said on God's behalf in chapter 11 and chapter 36, he said, he said I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He expands on this in chapter 36 when he says, I will give you who believe a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And this is how it felt in this moment, 1994. It wasn't hard. It wasn't complicated. No, the shift, this heart transplant that I had, it, it made my faith become real and tangible. And while I didn't have everything figured out, nor was I living this perfect life as a 13-year-old boy, the one thing I had was a simple love for God. My heart was for him and his way, and I was committed. I was committed to the long game. But over the course of this long game, man, things can change, right? As teens become 20s, to become 30s, to become 40s, life growing up, it has a way of complicating things, amen? Where even with the best of intentions, a once simple love can so easily turn into a dutiful, complex commitment. It reminds me of uh, when Rebecca and I, my wife and I, we first started dating. This, I got a little picture for us, just in case you want to remember the beautiful blonde locks that were coming across the front. Shh, shh, I don't want anyone to stumble here. We got to clear this, okay? 2010 was a good year for, 
for everyone. But man, when we first started dating, I was so in love. So in love. We both were. It was almost like there was no clock when we were around each other. That time didn't exist. It just stopped altogether. We would talk for hours. We would just hang out and exist in each other's company with no plans and no agenda. And yeah, there was a fair amount of infatuation at the beginning, no doubt. Just a little bit of lust on my part. I get that. I own it. But I tell you what, deep down, man, my heart was hers. This isn't a marriage talk, but I just love you. So, from the beginning, I loved her and it was so simple. Her presence was all that I needed. Anyone else remember those early days? The simple love at the beginning of a relationship where being together was enough. It's incredible, right? As you build this new life and relationship with touch and words and experience and emotions and discovery, it's an absolutely amazing thing. But then, somehow, like it or not, life again happens and it has a way of complicating things, even with good complications. Like when dating turns to engagement and, and, it, and it gets complicated as you start to plan a wedding and you're no longer just have the luxury of being together. Now you're building a future together instead. And so there's engagement and then there's a wedding and then you get married and it's official and it's so good and it's everything you ever wanted. But now you're processing budgets and you're processing house colors and, and, and the in-laws and saving up for a house and car payments and you're working through, you know, letting go of your own dreams to have collective dreams together and you're letting go of old hurts, your own personal pains and traumas so that you can heal together as a family. And again, it's so good. But as things grow and progress, some of what was so meaningful at the start, at the very beginning, the simplicity, it starts to fade, and, and then you have kids, and simplicity is gone altogether, right? <laughs> it's gone, it's gone. And you're no longer, because you're no longer just a couple, you're a family with responsibilities and pressures, responsibilities and pressures that like it or not wear you down. And then all of a sudden, what was once this magnetic, simple, passionate love, it can quickly become a responsible, sustainable cohabitation from simple love to complex commitment to sharing space. And friends, this shift in life that happens, it happens. This is what I believe God wanted me to speak today. And so if you're writing notes, you can, you can take down this big idea that as God's holy people, Colossians chapter three, we cannot settle for loyalty when we were made for love. We cannot settle for a complex commitment of sharing space when we were designed and saved for a simple love. Jesus, who calls his church his bride, he wants so much for us, so much more for us as his bride than mere duty and responsibility. He saved us for our undivided hearts and an uncomplicated affection, a simple love that serves as a starting point from which all life flows. A simple love. So what can we do? What can we do? Because I've never met a single person that says, man, I, I'm happy with just an average relationship. I've never heard a single person say, yeah, I prefer duty over devotion, okay? I prefer complexity over connection. No, we were made for more than coexisting. 
for more than just commitments, and yet life still happens, and so what can we do? What can we do to find this simple love? Well, let's find out. And just a heads up, I want you to understand that I acknowledge life is hard. I, ex- I, I acknowledge that life happens to us and around us. There's things that we can control and things we can't. I get that things aren't easy and that pain is real. I get that hurt is real. I get that kids are hard and we're pulled more than ever, more than any other generation. We are pulled by the world to pursue our own dreams and we're told that we are entitled to whatever makes us happy. I get all of these things. But I'm here to remind you that you have one life. You have one life. And while you can't always decide what happens to you, you can choose the kind of life that you want to build with God. That is up to you. And so let's take a closer look at this life and what God wants most for us and what it takes to get there. So if you have your Bibles, would you follow me quickly to Revelation chapter 2? Revelation 2. And I know that Revelation is a complicated book um, to read, but in this section, Jesus is basically writing letters to some churches that were going through some challenging seasons and needed some correction. And So that's the context for what we're about to hear. Jesus is speaking through a guy named John, John the Revelator, and telling these churches what it means to be his holy people. And so here it is, starting in verse 1 of Revelation chapter 2. It says this. It says, To the angel or messenger, the messenger of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him, Jesus, who hold the seven stars in his right hand and walk among the seven gold lampstands. Verse 2, this is it. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Not a bad opening to this letter, right? Man, it feels kind of good. But here's verse 4. It says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Verse 6, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, you might not know much about the Nicolaitans, so let me just give you some context. In the first century, the Nicolaitans were a heretical sect of Christianity that basically said the right things acknowledged the right things, but lived in a completely different way. They would would partake in all sorts of culturally accepted practices like crazy sex orgies and eating food sacrificed to idols. They were off the rails in person, but they were acknowledging truth in their mind. So they wanted the kingdom of God, but they wanted no real obedience or loyalty to the king, Jesus. Their faith was little more than a cognitive belief with no real heart devotion. And so Jesus says, verse 6, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse 7, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Whoever has ears, that's you. Whoever has ears. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, where are we getting at here? So in this letter, Jesus is is basically saying to this church, hey guys, greetings, I know your deeds. I know that you work hard. I know that you have persevered. 
I know that you hate sin. I know that you can't stay, stand the way society has gone and culture is leading. I know that you care about truth. I know that you don't follow heretical theological positions. I know that you have endured hard things for me, for your faith, and you have not grown weary. He's like, I know that you deeply love the church. I know that you deeply love the church and that you want to live true. I get it. But in your process of being faithful your way, you have forsaken the love that you had for me at first. Is this making sense? Jesus is saying, in attempt to be responsible and sustainable and obedient as your life and faith grew more complicated, you sacrificed your simple love, your simple love for me, from your duty to my church. I kind of see the correction coming like this. It's like a husband speaking to his bride saying, yes, dear, our family is beautiful. You are doing such a great job taking care of the house, but it seems like you love the kids more than you love me. You forgot your first love and what brought you here to the family in the first place. And so back to Jesus, he says, consider how far you've fallen. Look how far you've fallen out of love. Do you see it? Do you see how your affection has drifted from simple love to a complex commitment? Jesus is saying, yes, I'm glad that you hate evil. Good for you. I'm glad that you're holding on to what's true and the practices of what's true. I'm glad that you still love the house and the family, but I need you to know it's not enough for me. I need more from my bride than just a committed roommate. I need your heart. I need your love, a simple love. And, that, and that's the correction we see in Revelation chapter 2. Now, here's the instruction from verse 5. It says, so repent and do the things that you did at first. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Repent, Jesus says. Now, if, you, if you're kind of new to church, repenting is kind of an interesting a word. A lot of times people think it's like super intense, but all it really means is this. It means, it means to return from where you started. And so if you began here, if you began here and you've drifted over here, Jesus is saying in Revelation chapter 2, repent, return to where you first started. Return to where you first started and do the things you did at first. You've forgotten your first love, so return. Return to where you started and do the things you did at first. And this is what God wants from his holy people. And what I believe God wants us to hear and internalize today, the simple love. A simple love. And in this simple love, it's not, that he, it's not that he wants us to abandon spiritual maturity. It's not that he wants us to abandon acts of obedience or priorities of truth. That, no, he doesn't want us to live in the past. But rather, God wants our faithfulness, our faithfulness to come from a focused, undivided heart. God wants our, our life to flow from a simple love and not be a substitute or a compensation for its lack. Another way to say it is, Jesus doesn't want to stay together for the kids. To sleep in separate rooms until all things are made new. He wants our days together to matter. He wants our moments to mean something deep at the core of who we are. He doesn't want us to go through the motions, even if they're good motions. No, he wants us to get back to a simple love. So much so, he even tells us how to get there. Verse 5, he says that we have to constantly return to where we started and to do the things we did at first, the things that came so easy at the beginning. It reminds me again, back to my relationship with Becca. It's been 13 years now that we've been building on that simple love that formed from new hearts. And from dating 
to engagement, to marriage, to being so broke and starting churches and moving across the country and having a kid and then another kid and buying houses. There have been seasons, friends. There have been seasons, even with the best of intentions, where the love started to feel more like loyalty. In the middle of the night when the kids are crying, in the stresses of life starting over and over again in Minnesota and Wisconsin and now here in the thick of wondering how we're going to pay bills to the loss of family to pandemics to social unrest to kids starting school y'all there have been so many seasons and some more recent than we'd like to admit but you want to know the fix you want to know the fix yeah it's repent and do the things you did at first You want to know the fix? Even in the complexity of life, Jesus tells us, verse 5, repent and do the things you did at first. We have to constantly be going back to the beginning. Not to leave our current life behind, but to remember why this life exists in the first place. And, you know, we were able to do that um, in a big way a few weeks ago um, when we left the kids with my folks and took off to go to Vegas for her birthday. And, y'all, it was so sweet. We talked. We hung out. We just existed with one another and and enjoyed each other's company. We laughed, we were close, and we did all the random stuff we used to do at the beginning, the things that defined our simple love, and it was so essential. It is essential if we want our marriage to be more than roommates with the kids for the next 10 years. We need to do what we did at first, and that's what Jesus is getting at here. It's so easy, friends, to fall into a trap of coexisting It's so easy to fall into the trap of believing and serving and being obedient while leaving love behind. But hear me when I say, God is not ultimately interested in what you can do for him. God is not ultimately interested in how good you can be or how much you can figure out independent of him. He's not. God is interested in you. And he's interested in your heart and your love and he wants your affection, not your attendance. And he's calling you even now, to remember and reconnect your present life back to that first moment of new life with him. So whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. God wants your love. Simply, no strings, no competition, no compromise, just simple love. He doesn't need your defending. He doesn't need you proving things to him. And he does not want divided loyalties, not even with the church. So that's what we see in Revelation chapter 2. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but y'all, I have met a number of people over the course of the past 15 years that love the church more than they love God. But the thing is, and the, and the real danger here is that they think they're loving God when they're really just loving a building. Does that make sense? God wants you to love the church 100%, but only in the wake of your love for him. And this is it. If you're a Christian then everything in your life is intended to extend out from your first love. That simple love for Jesus. Your family, your friends, your hobbies, your past, your present, your future. Everything is meant to be informed by and under the influence of that simple love. And this is what Jesus is telling the church in Revelation chapter 2. It's a reality. And it's, it's, it's a reality, I think, that the vast majority of us can say amen to. I think that we can get behind that. Still, if we're honest, back to real life, with all the stuff we carry, and all the complications we face, this type of connection with God, I think, can be hard. Just like any relationship, it can be really challenging and maybe even seem a bit naive, like, okay, the honeymoon can't last forever, right? So how can we do this? How can we step into this 
this instruction from Jesus in Revelation chapter 2? How can we jumpstart our hearts for the Lord to live faithful from our simple love for Jesus? Well, I've got three things for you quickly, and I'm going to cruise through them, so take notes if you need to. Take pictures of the screen if you need to. If you want to get back to the start to grow in your real love for God, there's three things, and they all start with the letter P. You're welcome. You need to have presence, practice, and patience. You need presence. You need practice, practices, and patience. And let's get into these, starting with presence. A simple love starts with presence. A simple love starts with presence. Just like any relationship, it cannot grow strong and real if you don't spend time together. Love cannot form without being present. You need to get back into God's presence. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Romans 13. He says, don't revert, don't revert back to who you once were. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself with the presence of Christ. Put on Christ like you're putting on a coat. Get there, stay there, get close. Now, what does this look like to be present with Christ? It's simply choosing to be where Jesus is. And while you're there, being open and willing and focused on him. Leave the complications at the door. Leave the complexities at the door so you can know him and experience his goodness again and again and again. And I, and I don't know where you've typically met God the most in your life or where this first real encounter with God happened in your faith journey, but as I said before, for me, it's almost always happening through, through worship and through music. Music does something for my heart. You know, when I'm in the car, I listen to talk radio and podcasts, but when I get with the Lord and I turn on some worship music, man, I am brought back to his faithfulness. And I am brought back to some key moments where he met me in my life. When I'm feeling distant um, or that life has gotten too complicated and I lose sight of his, uh, of his vision and my connection with him, I, can, I know I can always meet him in a song. I know that I can always meet him in a song. And that's just me singing a simple song of a simple love, it always brings me back to my beginnings with God. But, but what about you? Where has God met you? Where did God first meet you? you know, where are you? And when he says, go back to the things you did at first, what were those things? What were those things that, that you did that, that encountered him in, in such a profound way? Maybe for you, it's, it's being out in nature. I've had a lot of friends that connect with God so deeply being outside. They see creation. And so when they're like stuck in the office, they feel so distant from God. But when they get back out into creation, they're just brought back into his presence. Maybe, for, maybe it's nature. Maybe for you, it's just spending deep time in the word. Maybe it's in prayer. You get in your, your closet at home and you just, you lift it up to Jesus. Maybe it was with friends over a great cup of coffee. I have no idea how God has met you, but wherever it is, get there. Get there and make it a regular thing you do. Get back into the presence of God. And, and listen, just a side note, regardless of how disciplined you are on your daily life, to live with a simple love for God is really hard if you don't make church a priority for you. It's really hard to live faithful and to continue building this simple love for God if you're not here or in a church community. Church is where we all gather with God together. It's when we all get into his presence as a family. And so it's a regular rhythm that God's holy people have, have adopted for more than 2,000 years, and it brings us back to our first love every single week. And so if you want your faith to be real, prioritize presence. Get back to where you first 
fell in love with Jesus, both personally and also as a family. And so that's first. If you want to get back to a simple love, you have to be present with Jesus. It starts with presence. Second thing is practice. As you are present with God, you need to practice what God says matters most. You need to be obedient to his house rules and his way. A simple love grows with practice and practices. Now, what does that mean? This means that as you love God, you must be obedient to what God says to do. And you should also be obedient to how he says to do it. It's not just what, it's how. And that's what I think the Apostle Paul is getting at in our opening scripture, Colossians 3, when he said, since God chose you to be a holy people, he loves, you must, again, clothe yourself, you must practice his way, Cover yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. This is what it means to be a holy people as you choose to exist in his presence, that you would also choose to practice what he does the way he does. Your practice, you practice his ways of, of tender-hearted mercy, of kindness, of humility. You practice gentleness. How often do you practice gentleness? You practice making allowance for each other's faults and embracing forgiveness. How often are you just so eager to forgive? Because this is what it means to be God's holy people. This flows from your first love. You practice and you put on love for God and neighbor as you allow peace that comes from Jesus to rule in your heart. And this is it. God gave you a new heart. He gave you a new heart and he wants that heart to command and to direct your life for all the practices that you do that they would flow from his heart for you and your simple love for him. And so that's the second piece. Get in his presence and practice his way. And then lastly, lastly, it's a word we all love, and that's patience. Because a simple love is sustained by patience. You need to be patient. You need to be patient with yourself and with the process. Relationships are tough. Most start simple, but over time, they grow more and more complicated as life happens. So to get back to the start, to get back to the start, you need to get back to the beginning like we see in Revelation 2. It can take some time. It can take some time to get there. It also requires a whole lot of patience to push aside the complexities of hurt and fear and anger, to push aside the complexities of, 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 of truth and lies and family and apathy, to push aside the complexities of faithfulness and, and being good and obedient. There is so much life we carry. There is so much life that we have experienced and so much we have to push through to arrive back at the start. But we have to remember, we have to remember that we're playing the long game here. We're playing the long game with God because he's playing the long game with us. Jesus is infinitely patient with you. And he's so committed. He is ready and he is waiting for you and me to repent and to return to where we first met and to do the things we did at first. God is waiting for you to come back into his presence to experience again his simple love so you might remember what brought you here in the first place. 
So whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Being a Christian is more than doing good stuff. It's more than not doing bad stuff. It goes beyond good behavior or proper theology, and it's not defined by attendance or loyalty to a building. It's not complicated, and it's completed by calling out what is wrong or holding on to what is true. Now, all these things are important. All these things matter, but what makes you a Christian is your love for Jesus. Everything is important. And all of those secondary things matter in the light of a simple love. But what makes you a Christian is your love for Jesus. A simple love that you first received, that you didn't earn, you didn't deserve, you can't inherit, you can't pass down, and you can't store up. It is a love that you only find where he is in a moment of presence. And everything else, if you're a Christian, everything else is intended to echo from that starting point of faith. Everything else is intended to reflect that simple love you received and experienced. Your, your mercy, your friendships, your family, your humility, your gentleness, your love, your forgiveness, your, your patience, and, and your peace. Everything is meant to, to, to live in the wake of this simple love. And so let us, friends, let us return back to our simple love. Let us commit to doing what we did at first. Let us choose here and now to be a people defined and led by that simple love, a love which now all of life flows. So whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. As we close, I want to pray for you. But I also want to invite you here and now to return to the start with the Lord. I know we all have stuff we're carrying, but today is a new day. Today is a new day and another opportunity to begin again, to leave the complexities behind, even if it's just for a minute, to remember the God who loves you, the God who has no lack and loves blessing you. The, the God who wants to lead you to your greatest end and do abundantly more than you can ask or imagine with your life. This God is, is ready and waiting to inspire in you again a simple love. And so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful uh, for the interruption from the Lord this past week, and I'm grateful that you listened. But I want to pray for you now, and then you know we can go and do other stuff. But I just want to pray for you that this would sink in, and that if somehow you have... You've converted your heart of flesh back to a heart of stone. I'm praying for a heart transplant this morning. That we would all leave here with a simple love for Jesus that would, that would inspire and influence everything we do from here. And so let's pray, and then we can, we can hit the road. Jesus, we are grateful for your love. We are grateful that, that you said that the war is over. And that, yes, once we were enemies and we deserve to be enemies, now you call, us, you call us friend, you call us family, and from here to heaven, as your holy people, you want us to live in response to your simple love, that we would receive that new heart. Even now, God, that, that, that we would remove this, this heart of stone, this bitterness, these walls that we have built up around our life of complexity. God, that we would tear all of those down today and that we would go back to the start, that we would go back to the beginning with you and we would receive again and again this new heart of flesh and tenderness for you. 
God, we want so badly to be faithful. But God, you want so badly for us to love you. And so God, we want our faithfulness to flow from our love. We want our obedience to flow from love. We want our intelligence to flow from love. God, we want everything we do to flow from this simple love that we received when we first met. So God, in this house today, I know that there are people carrying heavy burdens. I know that there are people that are grieving, people that are bitter, people, God, that that you love to death that are still trying to just make it through today. And I ask today, God, that you would just break down those barriers. God, that you would meet us and humble us and help us see again and again the simple love you have for us so we might, in turn, live with new hearts. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We're grateful for this day. We're grateful for this reminder from Revelation chapter 2 that God being your people is defined by love and that everything else must flow from there. God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray and we all said, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, As you go, if you have any questions about anything you heard, I'd love to talk. We can also pray for you down here if you need it. Um, The last thing is just please consider joining us on our little elevator update. Uh, Information's in the lobby at the Connections Center. Uh, We'll be raising money for the next couple weeks, and so we'd love for you to prayerfully consider joining in that. Uh, And that's it. If you have questions, let me know. Otherwise, love you guys. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you soon.